You're listening to the Doxology and Theology Podcast, where we promote, encourage, and equip gospel-centered worship. For more information, visit us at doxologyandtheology.com. Well, good afternoon, everyone. You are in the Training Worship Leaders Seminar, and so if you're meaning to be in a different seminar, this is the Training Worship Leaders Seminar. So, congratulations in finding Norton 103. Um, my name is Ken Boer. I'm director of music at Covenant Life Church in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I've been, um, just by way of biography so you know who's, who's talking today, um, I was, uh, my original music training was as a pianist and as an organist. And um, so I, that was my classical training. And then for the last 10 years, I've been serving in a, a more contemporary context, leading worship from piano and guitar over the years, I've done um, different training with different uh, worship leaders at our church and with other churches, and um, so I'm looking forward to uh, just thinking through how we train worship leaders. Uh, just to get to know you guys, um, are any of you serving in a college or university setting at all? Okay, and everybody is everybody else, which is everybody, is serving in a local congregation, right? Okay, good. Uh, I wrote this for the for a church setting, so that's good. So um, let me pray, and uh, then we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us in sending Jesus Christ, your only Son. Lord, we pray that you would continue to use this conference to root us in the gospel, to help us understand more and more what the cross of Jesus Christ means to us, and Lord, that our worship would become more Christ-centered, more full of both imminence and transcendence. And Lord, we pray specifically for this seminar, we pray that you would use this seminar to put a few tools into the people's hands to train worship leaders more effectively in their local congregations. Lord, we're aware that each one of us is like grass that grows up and withers and fades away. Um, Time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its sons away. And Lord, we want to be able to pass on to others what we have learned. And Lord, we want to continue learning ourselves. And so we thank you for this opportunity to do this together today. And we ask that you uh, you would help us, help this conversation. And we pray that it would bear fruit in congregations and that your name would be magnified. And Lord, we pray, I, I pray right now, just as we're talking about training, I pray for fruit, not only for next week or next year, but I pray that there might be a few things that could be taken away that might bear fruit for much longer, uh, enduringly in congregations, and uh, that will take your Spirit's work. So we pray for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are talking about training worship leaders. Uh, I gave you an outline. It has a lot, of, a lot of different content in it, and one of my goals is simply to put more tools in your toolbox. So there are, <clears throat> I'm going to talk some about what it looks like to train informally, and then I'm also going to talk about what it means if you're somebody that wants to build, have a group of people that meets together regularly for curriculum you know, kind of stuff. So we're going to look at it from both angles. But before we do that, we have to look at start at the beginning and say, what are we actually trying to accomplish when we are training worship leaders? Anytime you're trying to train somebody in some, something, you need to know what your end goal is. So that's what we're going to start with. So on your outline, point A, defining the role of the worship leader. I think it's important for us to state at the outset that a worship leader, as we understand it right now in 2014, here in North America, is a mix of both biblical and cultural qualifications. The role of a worship leader, strictly defined, is not in Scripture. So what I mean by that is not that worship leaders are unbiblical, but what I'm saying is if you look at the list of gifts in Ephesians, you, you do not see the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and worship leaders. Okay? That's not in there. And part of the reason is that there's nothing in Scripture. Scripture does tell us to sing. Scripture does tell us to pray. Scripture does tell us to read the Word, to preach the Word. But it doesn't say that all of it has to be combined in this one person 
who plans the meeting and leads the meeting and prays and is good at leading a rhythm section and can sing and can deal with the administrative stuff during the week. Like, that's, that role does not have to be tied together in the way that it is right now in our culture. And if you look back at the history of the church, there's many different models for how music functions in the church. That's why you have choir directors and organists. That's why you have uh, the, you know, way back when you have the Kapellmeister who's in charge of, you have cantors who lead singing. There's many different models for how this can function. In some churches, the pastor is not the same as the musician and the pastor plans the meeting. So there's many different models of doing it. But in this particular uh, way in which we're looking at it, in which it's understood in our culture, we want to make sure we bring that to bear as much as possible underneath Scripture and let Scripture's qualifications for the leaders of church meetings drive the way that we see these, these individual things. So we have to make sure we, we define our goals. If you don't know where you're going, any road will do. It, you can, sure, do it anyway. And the, the reason that this is important is it's very easy to go to worship conferences or to see a video on YouTube, and this ha- happens very often, that you see what a large church or ministry is doing and you see the effect that it's having on people and you say, if we just do that, then it will produce the effects that they're having. Everybody will be excited. The Holy Spirit will come down in power and change us all. And it's just kind of this vague, like, if we just get the sound right, if we, like, then somehow mystically it's all going to happen. Well, no, that's not the way it works. So let's deconstruct it a little bit. What are we trying to do? Bob Coughlin's definition of a worship leader is a very helpful one. This is from his book, Worship Matters. A faithful worship leader magnifies the greatness of God in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Trinitarian, God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit. Skillfully combining, by skillfully combining God's word with music. And here's the purpose. Thereby motivating the gathered church to proclaim the gospel to cherish God's presence, and to live for God's glory. So he, he, this is all under the word. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is done uh, with the goal of the proclamation of the gospel, of God moving in power and us living for God's glory. So what are some of the elements of a worship leader's role? This could be uh, divided up in different ways. Uh, this is just simply one model. So first, spiritual A worship leader needs to be someone, depending on the role, who is aspiring or has the qualities of eldership. So to the degree that a person is functioning as the one that is the leader of the congregation and is determining what the congregation does when it gathers and is leading in the word and prayer, the more, to the greater degree that that person is doing that, to the greater degree that person should be an elder or should have elder characteristics. And that's going to look different in every congregation, but if we just want to make sure that we don't have worship leader as this thing that's separate from the role of elder and deacon. So in every context, it's that that's going to look different. That doesn't mean that someone who is 18 can never lead worship. It just means that you want to be aspiring to those particular characteristics, and it means that as you're growing in those ways, you're doing it under the authority of those who are responsible before God, are going to stand before God one day and say, this is how we led the church. Public worship really matters. So, character. Uh, The person that leads should be a reproducible model. Is the person that's leading, how can you help that person that you're trying to train become even more to have these characteristics? There's, uh, for eldership, there's social qualifications. How do they relate to other people? Are they kind to others? Many, the moral characteristics, mental, are they able to teach? Do they, under, do they hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught? Do they have a disposition of kindness to others, of hospitality? Um, domestically, how do they relate to their family, to their roommate? Maturity qualifications, An elder in a church should not be someone who is a new convert. So, you know, in all these things, there's, it looks different in every context, but just having this kind of framework in our head is, is helpful. And if someone is to become an elder, they need to be able to teach. Um, so, uh, don't mishear me. Not all worship leaders have to be elders, I don't think. 
but you'll hear disagreement from different people about that. But I do think we want to aspire, obviously, to those, to those qualifications. Um, you need to have faith for the task, and you need to be able to work with fellow, fellow elders. Musical uh, qualifications for being a worship leader. Um, you need to be able to sing, whether that's trained or not. Um, there are, um, I have seen a few contexts where a worship leader is not like the main vocalist. It's like, uh, uh, you know, just a wonderful person that leads, that tells us where we're going, and then they just turn up the rest of the vocalists in the mix. So you can do it that way too. But we're typically, we're trying to t- teach people in terms of voice. Typically, a worship leader is going to have a primary instrument um, and then be able to lead a rhythm section. Uh, added, some people, depending on context, do choir, orchestra, arranging, etc. Another component of the type of people we're trying to um, train is planning the church gathering. So the person that plans the church gathering should have some sort of philosophy of the church meeting. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? Um, and then depending on the responsibility that this person's given, they need to be able to lead in prayer. They need to be able to lead in songs. Songs often, uh, I have a friend that likes to say, you pray more than you think. And that's because most of the songs that you sing are prayers. A lot of them are. And so maybe you shouldn't feel quite as bad about your prayer life as you actually pray a lot more than you think you do. Um, scripture reading, preaching, teaching, sacraments, fellowship, offerings. So who in your context is thinking about all of those things together as a whole, what you do in your, don't just think a four-song worship set. Think, what are we doing when we gather? And who's making those decisions? Um, A worship leader needs to have leadership abilities. That's why they're called a worship leader. Um, Leader, and this takes many different facets, doesn't it? There's leadership of the congregation, leadership in the moment. They, you want somebody that is the congregation's going to respond to. Um, leadership of a team in rehearsal, leadership outside of the rehearsal. Uh, sensitivity to the work of the Holy Spirit. I put that in here just because I'm thinking about the, the context of a church meeting. Is this person responsive, responsive to um, the way that the Lord is leading and planning? Is this person responsive to the way that the Lord may be leading in a meeting? And leadership in terms of training others, depending on the size and depending on your context, being able to train others is a very important leadership characteristic. And then the practical. And as a worship leader, you know that this is not what you were originally asked as a volunteer to do or hired to do, but this is a large part of the job description. Preparing materials. A worship leader needs to be able to prepare chord charts, sheet music, lyric projection, planning, administration, all those sorts of things. So how do we train people to do all those different things? So uh, next page, coaching, training, and feedback. So I just want to talk about what does this look like if you've got somebody that is interested in becoming a worship leader in your congregation? What does this look like in terms of just life-on-life interaction? How leaders develop. Well, I think it's important that you're trying to, as you're training a worship leader, you're trying to develop the, into- the whole person, head, heart, and hands. So that's just a, a quick way of saying who we are as total people. And by hands, I don't just mean physically our hands, but our bodies as well. So for a worship leader, you want to train that worship leader's head. What does the worship leader think? How well does the worship leader know his Bible. How well does the worship leader think about the church gathering? You're trying to, the worship leader's heart is important. Obviously, you know, the Lord's after our heart, isn't he? And then hands, what are you actually able to do? And I think as we think about how to train people in our congregations, each one of us are bent in particular ways. So some of us, as we think about training worship leaders, our initial response is we better start a class and we want to get like, make sure they think about it rightly. Others of us were like, this person needs to do, start doing um, long, quiet times and singing and praying to the Lord on his or her own and developing their heart. And then they're going to be an awesome worship leader. And other, others of us are thinking, boy, if I'm going to train a worship leader, I better teach them how to play these songs in these keys and know how to transition from this key to this key at this tempo and the very, the very mechanics of it. 
And so we're all, we're all like leaning in particular ways. That's, it's just part of who we are. And it's just important to recognize that. You know, you're going to reproduce in others who you are. And so recognize your strengths, recognize your weaknesses. If you have, if you have head and heart, but you don't have hands, what do you have? You have somebody who's very well-meaning and is up there very excited and is saying the right things, but sounds awful, you know, right? Or if you have somebody who's got a great head and great hands, but not a great heart, well, that's not glorifying to the Lord, and you probably have some very heady stuff going on, right? Or if you have heart and hands without head, well, you have something that's very meaningful, heartfelt, but may not be filled with a lot of content. So we want to be training all of those. Uh, what about elements of training for ministry? Um, there are three, like as you think about in any, any profession, or especially if you think about pastoral ministry, people that are trained for pastoral ministry, there are three kind of areas that you need in order to be able to serve in these, uh, be an effective servant. One, you need experience as you're growing. You need to actually do the stuff, you know. That's the way that you're going to grow. You also need, if, you know, this, this is just thinking like long term, you know, say you're, you know, say you're 19 and you want to do this and you want to do it till you're 45. Well, these would be the three things that I would say to you. You need experience. You need to actually learn how to do it yourself. Go and get some formal training. Have somebody like tell you, Take a class. Learn what you can. But then also the other is mentoring. So you've got somebody that's ahead of you that has actually done this before that can actually give you feedback on what you're doing. And people that have all three of those end up being the ones that have a lot of the rough edges kind of cut off. Um, And I've needed all three of those in order to be able to serve the most effectively. So... I tried to think of this a little bit like, um, you know, so you're the, um, the worship leader in your church and you've got somebody that is uh, learning alongside you. How can you think almost as if you were, if you were a, just think sports, think a coach. What does a coach do to help somebody that's learning the game know how to make those, know how to make those next steps in terms of what they're doing? A coach, whether, you know, if it's a, say you were a golf player and you need a golf coach, that's a, that's a one-person kind of game. Or you could think about, you know, any sports you played growing up. What does the coach do? Well, the coach provides perspective from somebody who's walked before. So it's great having a coach because the coach can say, no, don't do that. That's stupid. Why would, you know, that's not what you're trying to do. Or the coach can you know, you're all messed up because, like, I just think that was an awful worship service. And the coach can say, no, like, God was glorified. You did fine. This thing that you think is, like, this mountain, that's actually just a molehill. Like, it's okay, you know. The coach can give you some of those things. The coach, <clears throat> a coach can help you see the game clearly, see the dangers, see the ways to win. What does it mean to win in a worship service? And well, it means that the Lord is glorified, right? It means that people are singing, that the, the Holy Spirit is working, that you're engaged. That's, I hate to u- even use the word win, but, you know, if I'm applying the analogy. A coach also would probably spend time with them in practice, right? Working on specific skills. So a coach is going to take uh, his or her team and say, you know, this last game that we played, uh, you guys did great at, uh, you know, passing, uh, some nice footwork here and there, but, like, your shooting was awful, and we missed tons of free throws. So guess what, team? We are going to do a lot of free throw practice over the night, these coming. So, you know, take that analogy to worship leading. What are the kinds of exercises that you could do that would help somebody work on specific skills? The coach provides motivation. So you need somebody to say, like, Okay, you're doing this, and you know what? You're doing a great job. It looked like it's act- it was actually really shocking. I know. You stood up in front of the congregation, and the congregation looked at you and kind of went. And 
you thought like everybody was going to be expressive, but they weren't. And that's okay because they don't realize that you're actually looking at them and they're looking at you and things aren't as glorious on the stage as you thought they were going to be. Like, it's okay. You know, the Lord's working. Even if you don't see it, he's doing good things. The coach provides that motivation to say, no, keep going. The coach is the one there at halftime. Or if you're in a congregation that you meet in two services, the, congreg- the coach is the one that's saying, okay, well, this is what we missed in the first half. Here, let's tweak a few things. Let's go back in there. We're doing it. So how can you, in your context, be the coach that says those things? So some, some ideas. If you're training worship leaders, uh, start out with some kind of assessment. Um, you know, if, you are in a, if you're in a larger church with more, you know, kind of a formal program, you could do this more formally. But uh, by and large, you know, for most of us, this is just going to happen informally. You know, you just, you meet somebody, they're like, they've been leading in the youth group, and you're saying, I think I might want to help that person move up to the main service. Well, just do an initial assessment, just to have them come in, and maybe there's some stuff that you're not sure what they're able to do or not able to do, just have them come in and play some stuff for you and just assess and think, like, what are they strong at? What are they weak at? Uh, And think through those different categories of spiritual and musical and just what do they know? What do they they not know? So this can happen formally or informally. And you could make up a few goals of things that you want to work on with them. And then, point three, make up some exercises. So, you know, this is like batting practice. This is, what are the... This is the kind of thing that we're not taught, but I think really would help a lot of worship leaders. Well, how can you make up some exercises and say, you know what, you always miss this. <laughs> Let's work on this, or this is your strength. So in, uh, in sports, you would get a lot of reps in something, in something. You do a lot of scrimmage before you play in the real game. So what, what would those reps look like? What can you do in private that you need to do before you do it in public? So here are some ideas. You know, maybe the, the, uh, the worship leader tends to always say stuff that you cringe at a little bit. You know, what if you ask the worship leader, here are, um, you know, two verses from this psalm and two verses from this psalm and two verses from this psalm. I want you to memorize it. Maybe write a song to help you memorize it or something. But I want you to memorize those. And when you get to the end of the song and you're not sure what to say, I just want you to quote some of those as prayer to the Lord and the congregation's going to be edified because they're hearing God's word prayed back to him. You know? So that would be one idea. Um, worship leader that I was interacting with, he always had a certain phrase that he always said after every song. And so I said, I want you to write out 10 different things that you could say after a song. So, you know, it could be, uh, thanks be to God. It could be, uh, isn't he worthy of our praise? You could say hallelujah. You could, but if you always say the same thing after every song, you're just, everybody's tuning out. You know, this is the commercial that they've heard a hundred times. So like, let's come up with, let's build some more repertoire. And the guy I was working with did that. And it's, it's been helpful. He like the toolbox is a little bit bigger for him. Um, maybe the worship leader uh, just does not pray verbally very well. I'm kind of harping on this one because I think this is the one that we need to grow in a lot. Maybe you just say, you know what, I, how, how do you pray in your quiet times, in your devotional times? Well, this week, could I ask you, instead of praying silently and just kind of meditating, I want you to pray out loud. I want you to try to just, just pray out loud for five or ten minutes, and I want you to try to pray like you would pray in front of a congregation. Or maybe don't even pray like you would pray in front of a congregation. I just want you to get used to, like, actually saying these things out loud. Let's work out some of the kinks. Um, or maybe, like, I want you to come up with five different ways to greet the church. So, good morning, y'all. You know? Well, what else could you say? Let's come up with a list. And I want you to bring it back to me. Or maybe there's music. You know, the, you're trying to, you've just finished the song. You're going. And then, uh, then you want to pray. But then you kind of pray because you're thinking about the next transition and your uh, uh, amen, you know? So, okay, well, I want you to pull out your Bible and I want you to start reading the Bible out loud and I want you to just keep strumming. Just do that. 
you know? So for each individual, you know, just, just brainstorm. Come up with a bunch of different, like, what are the reps that you can have them do, which will actually pay off in a, in a service. And then put yourself in their shoes. What do you wish that most of us as worship leaders have not had, you know, you always feel like, I could have gotten more training. I wish somebody trained me at this. Well, we are who we are. We know what we know. And, but what do you wish that somebody had told you when you were their age? What do you wish somebody had said? And just, just have those conversations with them. Um, giving feedback. So another important component of uh, being a coach is that you're giving feedback to somebody on how they did. So this is what I think you're strong at. This is what I think you're weak at. Or you might go and you review the tapes. You know, you, you watch what you actually did and you, you go over it. What does feedback look like for a worship leader? This is actually, this has been the most fruitful thing that I have seen in, in my context um, and just interacting with different people is just talking about what you did in the service. So a lot of times this just means the service is done and everybody knows that at the end of the service we all come up on stage um, and or it's between the meetings or whatever and we just talk about what happened. And uh, you tell everybody up front, you know what, um, we're going to talk about what happened and this does not affect your standing before the Lord, okay? This does not make you a good Christian or a bad Christian. We just want to grow together as a team to use our instruments more effectively so that we can serve this congregation more effectively because we want to hear God's praise made glorious. And the way we're going to grow is by not just always doing it and always doing it the same way. We're, going to, we're just going to talk about what we did. And, you know, sometimes it's going to sting a little bit, but that's okay. And um, we're going to try to keep this light, okay? So, you know, we're not, we're not delving into, like, major, huge heart attitude things right after the service. We're not, you know, but uh, we're going to try to make this fun. And, and usually as we interact, a lot of times we'll, we'll just make fun of each other. But in a, you know, you, in a way that, you know, you have friends. As you get to be, become friends, better friends, you can joke with each other. And so finding ways to talk to each other and kind of make a point, but always tell people, like, you know, we're talking about this because, we love each other, and I thought that was great. And just finding ways to laugh about, you know, boy, that transition did not work. That was, you know, <laughs> that was, well, we'll get it next time, you know. Or, uh, yeah, that tempo that you played on the drums, oh, next time could you make sure that you click it off really loud so that we all hear it. Or, oh, yeah, remember that lick that we talked about that you were going to do on that fill and that turn? Um, did you forget what was happening? Oh, that's what happened. You needed to switch the pedal board. Oh, okay, now I understand. Or, you know, just figuring out, like, what does that look like and doing it in such a way that's, that's encouraging. So um, it's really helpful to do this in relationship to real service. So do it, have people serving, you know, in a, with a worship leader, somebody that you're trying to train, find ways just to get them involved in what you're doing. Um, so maybe it's a younger leader and maybe you have, like, two really good guitar players, um, but then you have one uh, person that you think might be able to lead in the future but doesn't play quite as well. Well, think about getting the person that doesn't play quite as well in the mix because you think you just want them in the mix so that they can be a part of this whole, this whole discussion. Um, so uh, point two, frame the feedback. Take a personal interest in them. Make sure that they feel through your demeanor that you care about them. So, you know, there's nothing worse than, like, receiving, you come, you've, you've made tons of sacrifices to get there for rehearsal, you've come early, you, you're staying late, uh, it's a busy weekend, you're volunteering your time, and then you get critiqued. What fun is that, you know? Do I want to be a part of this? Well, you need to do it in such a way that people know that you, you care about them, you're friends. If you're not friends, don't start with a critique. But if you are friends... Uh, if you're not friends, develop a friendship and then start talking about what's, what, uh, how, you're, how you're playing. Point three, encouragement and critique. Share real, genuine encouragement first. Typically, when we talk about what happens in a service, talk about encouragement first. What was good? What happened? Um, not just general, but be specific. Oh, you did a great job today. 
that doesn't actually help anybody grow. <laughs> um, you want to say, like, I really like the way that you transition from that one song to another song. I know you've been working on that, and that was just very clean, and it was not distracting, and it was excellent. Or when, you, um, oh, when we transition to that scripture reading, I really like the way that you uh, took a moment, and then you said it, and the congregation really got it. Because lately it just felt like we rushed through the scripture readings. But you just really, you know, and so what you find is the encouragement that you're able to offer to other people is a reflection of the thankfulness in your own heart. So it's been a check for me sometimes. I, I might get done with something, and I'm just thinking, I noticed the three or four things that that person did wrong. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna, we're going to talk about how this went. And I, what did I really enjoy about how they were leading me? And how am I going to give them feedback? Oh, wait. They love the gospel. They're living a godly life. They gave of their time to serve. They're playing the right chords. They sang the melody. The congregation sang. They even did a key change. They, you know, just list, just, you know, and come up with very specific things that you can say that you can encourage somebody for. And then in the midst of that encouragement, then you can offer one or two things that, yeah, I think you could grow in. Help people acknowledge that when they get feedback, sometimes they're going to cre- feel crushed. Sometimes they're going to feel sky high, especially if you're the young understudy and then you've got the worship pastor in your church, like, giving you real encouragement. That can be, like, you could feel really good, like, whoa, I could actually do this. Or you could feel devastated. But just tell people, like, yeah, when we're giving feedback to each other, like, you might feel really good about it or you might feel awful about it. But you know what? The Lord is the one who's sovereign over our hearts. We're doing this for his glory. We're not doing it for our own. And as you have emotions all over the map, as we're talking about things, as you're growing, as you're developing, if you're an adolescent, all kinds of things are changing all the time in your world. Like, that's okay. That's normal. And we're just going to talk about it. Um, so some common feedback areas that you can give to worship leaders. Choice of songs, scriptures, prayers. Talk about how did you plan this meeting? How to link these things together topically. A lot of times that, that was one of the things that I had a hard time. I, I understood, like, you know, I heard systematic theology. I'd heard sermons. But, like, okay, well, maybe actually it makes more sense to, like, talk about, like, how you know, the cross as a, a, how, what God has done in Christ first, and then talk about its effects on us, instead of singing all these songs about, like, how, uh, how we're so effective, and then actually get to the meat later on. So, you know, what, what are the things that make things flow that don't thematically? The style of communication. Um, I was in a meeting uh, a couple weeks ago where the worship leader, uh, we were doing this, like, in a workshop setting, and the worship leader, his tone of voice was, he would play and he'd say, let's sing, let's sing this together. And then, we worship you, Lord. And everything kind of went like this, up and down. And it just kind of was like the same pattern of speech. And so I said, well, I just want you to practice, like, just doing it different ways. Let's sing to the Lord together. You know, well, isn't that very different than, like, let's sing to the Lord together. You know, so even just what is that style of communication? How does this person put their words together? How they play their instrument, keys chosen, interaction with people in the room, interactions with people on the stage, body language, uh, underlying heart attitudes. Um, One thing when giving people feedback um, is you can just think, if this person, well, we do, I've done this more in the past, um, and we We've done it sometimes where worship leaders, we just gather together for like a worship leader training session that we do every so often, and we gather together in a classroom. So this is like eight worship leaders in a classroom, one person with a guitar or the piano, and they are, their assignment is to bring 20 minutes of leading this group of eight people together in worshiping the Lord, in song and in the word. So we will, that person We'll lead the group, and then afterwards we, uh, we give feedback. And in that context, if I hear you know, something, I'm at, I'll sometimes preface what I tell the person with, now I understand, like, I'm, I'm just going to be super nitpicky here. Like, just let me tell you that, okay? I'm going to be nitpicky. And the reason is that each of us has patterns. 
And if this happened once on a Sunday, that wouldn't, it's no big deal. But if you had the same pattern of speaking or the same pattern of transitioning this way every Sunday, then it would not be helpful. And so let me be kind of nitpicky. Oh, maybe you should try this. Um, it just helps people understand, like, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. I'm just trying to give you advice, like, this is, this is how I would do it if I was doing it regularly. Um, when giving people feedback, consider the timing of the feedback. You know, if you have a more substantive concern for somebody, it's best not to do it right after the Sunday service. <laughs> um, don't use email. Um, it's much better to do things in person than to um, send somebody a, uh, something over email, unless it's encouragement. Um, and then go slow. If, this is, if it's not normal in your church culture to, like, to talk about what went well and didn't go well, go very slow. You know, uh, go very slow with this. The goal is edification. Uh, and again, put yourself in their shoes. What do you wish that somebody would have told you? Uh, next page, handing off responsibility. So you're the worship leader. You've got somebody else that you want to do it. Uh, this is the progression of life as things get passed on. First, I do it. Then I do it and you watch. Then you do it and I watch. Then you do it. So what does that look like in your context? Do you have a context where you, you probably do, you say, I'm doing it, and you're, you watch, you're a part of the congregation, but what can you do to get somebody in that context where they can watch you do it? Whether that's the planning, whether that's the meeting with your pastor to talk about songs, whether, whatever those different things are. Um, so make a list of things that you could hand off. Um, what are small little bite-sized pieces that you could give somebody else in your congregation, a, a worship leader in training? Uh, a devotional before a rehearsal. Ask the, the worship leader in training to lead a sound check. Um, ask them to come up with, hey, this is a song we're going to do next week. Can you just come up with some arrangement that's maybe a little different of this one song? Um, we've got these five songs planned for the service. Can you lead this one song? And then in the rehearsal, give them more rehearsal time than you would give yourself. Give them a lot more space to, to try stuff out in the rehearsal for what, what comes naturally to you. Um, ask them to plan the service, but then say, I want you to plan it, but then I'm going to revise it. You know, we'll talk about it together. It's a great way to, to, uh, to get things done and people come up with different ideas. Ask them to speak, to, to speak a transition in the service. Assign a Sunday to two worship leaders in training and let them work together. They find somebody that's maybe strong in one area, somebody that's strong in a different area. Um, let them join a worship planning meeting. Or if, you're, if you are a staff member and you meet with other staff members and other people can't join, let them just join your meeting by phone. Um, think about what the stepping stones are in your church. So, you know, if this is baseball, what are the minor leagues? People don't just show up and just start playing in the majors. They need to play in the minor leagues. So what are the minor leagues, and do you have your worship leaders in training in those contexts where they're able to spread their wings a little bit? Uh, don't overlook family worship. You know, or do you encourage your worship leaders in training, you know what, lead your family in song. You know, do you, after dinner, read some scripture and, and sing, a, sing a song at... Um, or children's ministry, or youth group, or various church ministries. Maybe you're at a multi-campus church, and they, you say, lead at this one campus, and then do another. Um, you can embed mentors within groups. So one of the most fruitful things we ever had at our, happened at our church was there was one guy, um, Dave Campbell is his name, who uh, for years, he's, you know, he was, he's older than me. Um, he could be my dad. And for years, he was in the youth band. He was always the guitarist in the youth band. And we had many worship leaders in our church who were in his youth band that started out leading for the youth ministry. And he was there. The youth meeting was once a month. And every, every month, he was there. He was helping this group of 14 to 17-year-olds learn how to rehearse together in a band to joke with the worship leader, to give them feedback on what they were planning, just consistently. And sure enough, three or four years after they had done that, 
they were the regular stable of musicians and worship leaders on Sunday mornings. It was just, he was just making this constant investment of being in the youth band. And it paid off just hugely in the lives of, of those, uh, those young people and in our church. Um, when you give assignments and you pass stuff off to people, um, give them parameters for what you want. Make sure you don't just like throw stuff at them and disappear. <laughs> it doesn't help anybody. Uh, you'll get some ba- something back you weren't looking for. So make sure you keep checking in. Uh, have the heart of a servant. Work yourself out of a job. Um, and prepare to be surprised. As you invest in people, it's just surprising the way that uh, people respond. Uh, what if you do want to do a class at your church? Planned curriculum, next page. Um, spiritual development, you know, with your worship leaders, if there are particular areas that you want to see them grow in, don't only think about your particular don't feel like you have to carry the weight of all of their development. Make sure that they're plugged into other church ministries. Hey, you want to be a worship leader? Well, go take this Sunday school class with this pastor because I think you really need to, you know, I want you to have this before you're going to lead. So make sure you're, you're connecting with the rest of the ministry of your church. Um, here are some resources, point B. So um, one thing you could do would be to do, uh, just do scripture study. You could take a look at some different psalms. Um, you could do inductive study on various topics. So recently we had a, um, a group of uh, musicians in our church, and we, I just collected, uh, and I, you, if you want to email me, I could send you the document. But here's, you know, here's passages about baptism. Here's passages about why we should rejoice. Here's passages about communion. Here's passages about why we read the word. And we just went through those passages. They're just printed on a sheet. We just looked at them. We talked about what the implications were for our church meeting, and we had like a multiple-hour discussion, just them getting to know the Bible better. Um, So don't feel like you always have to have a book. Just find the scriptures, print them out, talk about what they mean. Um, Some different books. I listed a whole bunch of different books here. In Spirit and Truth, Von Roberts um, is just a a helpful book. It's, uh, he's... um, He's been involved with um, the Alpha course. He's just a very clear writer. It's, a, sh- it's a, a short paperback book. It's a great starter, what is worship kind of book. It's worth looking at. D.A. Carson's Worship by the, the Book. Um, uh, he, his first chapter, you could take multiple meetings to go through to just read his chapter. It's a, it's a pretty thick chapter in that first book. Uh, Bob Coughlin's Worship Matters hits, you know, I read his definition here. That's a great book. He, he uh, wrote the book um, thinking of uh, a young worship. What, what would, if I was sitting across the table from a young worship leader, what would I want to tell that, that worship leader? So that's an ideal book. Uh, Matt Boswell edited this book called Doxology and Theology, which includes a number of the different people that are here at this, this conference. Um, Stephen Miller wrote Worship Leaders, We Are Not Rock Stars. It's a very, it's a... Um, you know, it's, he writes as if he was sitting across from you. And um, so it's, he's really kind of pushing back against, I want to be just like Chris Tomlin. Um, that's who I want to be. What do you say to the worship leader that wants to be like that? So that's, that's his kind of, his angle. Uh, Brian Chappell's Christ-Centered Worship is uh, just helpful in terms of planning church meetings. The book, um, Give Praise to God by... Um, Duncan, Thomas, and Riken is a helpful, a helpful book. Um, individual chapters could be useful in your church. Um, it might not be the first book that you would think of, but if you take individual chapters in it and you went through with worship leaders, it could be helpful. Um, Harold Best's work. Uh, David Peterson, he wrote the, the thick book called Engaging with God, um, Biblical Theology of Worship. He just came out in this last year with a book about what we do in church meetings. It's called Encountering God Together, and it's a much simpler book than his earlier work. And that also would be a good, that's like a good like worship committee uh, reading it together kind of a book. Um, five Perspectives on Christian Worship. You can read different, um, what the uh, opposing perspectives. Um, Lawrence Endeavor's chapter in that is very good. Mike Cosper, Rhythms of Grace. He's, he's talking about what is the story that we tell on Sunday mornings. Uh, John Piper, 
uh, Gravity and Gladness. The Worship Source Book, I find, is very helpful for putting together um, uh, services. And then I listed some thicker, thicker volumes as, the, as well there. Um, in terms of using those written materials, I mean, you might feel like, boy, if I'm trying to, like, do this, how, you know, I'm not a teacher. Like, I, I, I'm a worship leader, but I haven't, like, done much, like, classroom kind of stuff before. How do I do this? A lot of times what we've done is just, we've just asked people to, okay, we want you to read these two chapters and come back, and I want you to write down, like, one or two questions that you had about the chapter, and I want to write, you to write about how it affected you. So you don't have to have a big program. Just pick a book, go through it together, and just hear like how people are processing it. And then spend some time having people lead worship for each other and giving feedback. If you did that for eight sessions over a course of a year, you've got a great context to really get to know each other and, and to build. Um, so moving on to... Um, uh, <laughs> this was a, a unique idea. Um, I have a friend that teaches, um, or used to teach, uh, at a Christian university, and he was trying to train. His job was to like the planning worship kind of class. So what he did was he said, "Okay, you're, it's your job. You need to lead in front of the rest of the class, and um, I want you to have everything ready, just like you would on a Sunday morning. You need to have all the projection stuff ready. You, I want a, a printed order of service." You're gonna, you need to get your friends to come and lead us, put together your rhythm section. And, uh, oh, by the way, there might be some changes later on. So then what he did was he, you know, two days before, he tried to simulate a service as much as possible. So two days before, he sent, uh, uh, oh, by the way, um, the pastor wants to add this 15-minute um, segment in the meeting. Um, so, by the way, can you add that in? You know, so he wanted to, like, just make sure, like, people understood, like, this happens in church ministry, so that was part of the deal, that you're going to get this last-minute change. And then if anybody was late to class and didn't start on time, then they failed. Because you can't just, like, show up, you know, five minutes for the church meeting, five minutes late, and then it doesn't work. So there's ways that you can simulate things. Um, You can give written assignments. This is another thing you can do, point five. Um, So write out, like... Write out some situations that have happened in your church or, you know, what that somebody might walk through and have them write a written response to it. So, for example, a young person in your church who was known and loved by many was killed in a car wreck. Now I want you to plan a service for that for the Sunday after that. So just come up with, uh, with ideas like that. Uh, let's jump over to page eight, uh, musical development. Uh, what are ways that musicians grow? Well, bands grow typically in two ways. You grow by playing live and you grow by recording. Those are the ways that bands get good. So listen to recordings of yourself. How, does, how do things sound? Um, record yourselves re- specifically recording a song. Um, listen to, here's another idea that you could do. Listen to recording of a worship song. Um, I did this with interns once. Um, and just made them write out, like, okay, in tell me what every instrument is playing in the verse of this song. Tell me what every, every instrument is playing in the chorus of this song. What is the drum beat? Can you express it? Can you, like, show me with your foot and your hand? Because you're going to need to, like, tell the drummer what you want them to do. Like, can you do that? Oh, and what's the synth doing in that, that part? Oh, I, I'm not quite sure, like... Well, oh, they're playing the root in the fifth. Oh, okay, now I, now I get it. Like, oh, and the, you know, what is the guitar doing? Can you express to me what the guitar is? So, like, make them deconstruct the recordings that they hear and try to express it back to you, um, either written or, or uh, something else. Um, Greg Shear's book, The Art of Worship, is, is helpful, especially if you're coming from a more traditional context and moving to more of a contemporary setting. It's just, it's a, a very helpful book. He explains this is what the drummer does. This is what, it's, it's well laid out. Um, electronic resources, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff online, you know, but just make use of it. Music Academy, it's not Music Academy, but musicademy.com. They've got really good um, DVDs that you can get that um, uh, just teach different instruments. Um, so I was a, uh, piano, a pianist, um, led worship on piano, and then I 
I just got one of their DVDs on guitar. I learned a ton just from just from going through the through their their guitar materials. Um, if you have um, yeah, and then as you're thinking about what to train people in, distinguish between what they need to be able to re be really good at themselves, what they need to be able to direct others to do, and then what they simply need to be able to understand. So your worship leader probably is not going to need to uh, know how to play every instrument in the band, but the, the worship leader does need to understand enough to be able to communicate with the guitarist about that capo change, or know that strum pattern isn't right, well, what is the strum pattern that I want? And how do I communicate that? Well, the, the worship leader doesn't need to be able to play the guitar if the worship leader is just singing or is playing piano or something else, but the worship leader needs to know enough to be able to communicate with that other band member. So, you know, just pushing people like, okay, what does, how do you communicate those things? And um, so just tell them at least how you, you try to do that. Um, point D uh, administrative. If you have interns at your church, don't just give them grunt work. Um, that can be the, the temptation. Just, hey, can you, you know, administrate this? Can you do these emails? Can you let them actually do the stuff? Another thing you could do with worship leaders and training is just have them serve in different roles. So maybe you ask them for the next couple of months, can you serve on the sound team? Because I think it'll just really help you understand how this, how this all fits together. Oh, could you run uh, PowerPoint for us? Just tell them, like, okay, I want you to, you know, follow around these other people in our church and just learn what they do. Because when you're the worship leader, you need to know, like, how to communicate to that person. How many, like, communication failures happen when you're trying to talk to the sound person, and the sound person has like this requirement of what they need to understand from you, and you're speaking like a totally different language. Like, it just doesn't feel right, you know. Like, so how can you like, how can you communicate? You know, get to know that so that you can actually like understand their language and they can understand yours. You know, live in that world a little bit. Uh, last page. Uh, challenge your assumptions about training. How training best happens. You know, in your context, do you need to just use feedback, coaching kind of stuff? Or should you start a class? Do you tend to emphasize the head or the heart or the hands? Which one do you tend to emphasize? What strengths can you bring? And uh, what things might you need to partner with somebody else in? Are there other churches in your area that you might be able to partner with that you're like-minded enough that you say, you know, I feel like we've got a couple of worship leaders we need to train, but I'm not quite sure how to do this. Well, could we get together, you know, and get them together every so often and do something together? Don't wait till you have the perfect plan. And be patient. I mean, you know, you, we can try to teach people something and be really upset when they don't get it after being trained for a few months. And then we realize, oh, wait, uh, yeah, it took me like eight years to learn how to do this myself. So, like, just be very patient. Sow the seeds. Let the Lord be the one who brings the harvest in good due season. Don't expect that this is going to happen overnight. And as you're training people, don't assume that you are going to reap the fruit of this training. You might train the worship leader in your church that you think could be your successor, and then that person gets an offer from another church, and that person takes that other job, and you've invested a lot in that person, and they're gone. Well, that's okay, because it's not about our individual churches. It's about the kingdom of Christ being built. So it just ha we just have to keep reproducing ourselves, and it just needs to be a part of our DNA. And it hurts. But we're doing this for the Lord and not merely for our own little kingdoms. And we want to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done through glorious corporate worship in more congregations. So keep that as your goal, like, I'm doing this because I care about this worship leader that I'm training about, but I'm also doing this because I know this person is going to, you know, or may lead a congregation in the future. And what, what are the people that are sitting under or standing under this person's leadership going to be receiving? How can I do this in such a way that, that have that congregation in mind? Like, what are they going to receive? So that's the end of me talking. I uh, want to leave some time for Q&A. So... Um, what feedback, questions, stuff like that you guys would have? Yeah? Um, so I'm, I kind of wrote questions down as you were going. Page two, you're talking 
Yeah. Um, when you talk about character, um, how how do you um, so I so, so if you see potential, but it's not the it's not the rounded it's not the rounded out thing. How where do you how, how do you how do you sift through? Okay, there's some issues here, but there's potential here, and to balance all that out. I mean, I, yeah, I, I have an idea, but I'd like to hear. Yeah, and that's all of us, isn't it? You know, I'm, I'm not the perfect model, you know, which is why I'm grateful that in our congregation there's multiple leaders so that people aren't just seeing my faults. You know, we're all in process. Um, so I think um, looking, typically we, we ask everybody that's involved in our music ministry to be involved in a small group. And usually before adding somebody to a team, um, or when I'm, I'm inviting lead, you know, I think these people have potential. Um, I may check with their pastor or check with a small group leader and say, hey, I'm thinking about involving the, this person in this. Um, does it sound good to you? And then occasionally, you know, there might be like, oh, actually, we're working through a major issue and I didn't know about it, you know, just depending on the context or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think I... Just put them as much as I, what I try to do is put them in the training context as much as possible. So if there is, you know, if you're doing something outside of a, a main meeting, like there's no harm done by giving them training if, if they're not ready. And then it's, okay, give them de- the degree of authority and visibility that is appropriate to that particular thing. So, you know, if it's somebody that, you know, say it's a worship leader that really does want to do it, well, I might just have them play in the band a lot more. Or I might have them just lead one song uh, in such a way that to the congregation, it doesn't look like, okay, they're the main person and their peers or younger people are looking up to them and saying like, oh, they're the leader. But I'm still giving them opportunities. And then just trying to get to know people. And a lot of times, you know, they may receive stuff from a fellow musician, you know, feedback, uh, that kind of stuff that they might, may not receive from others. And so, yeah, it's always messy. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but yeah, it's yeah, just it's, try to do it gradually. I mean, yeah, I, I have my thoughts on it, and I just wanted to hear your Yeah, yeah. Then, then just to follow up, uh, how often is that, in your experience, a young person who, uh, who is, uh, hasn't quite formed a career path yet compared to somebody who's older in the congregation who might be sensing a call? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. in my experience, I mean, the vast majority of people that I've, well, my experience has been on two fronts. One is we've had um, just lots of people in the congregation that are never going to do it full time, that probably are never going to be on staff at a church, but uh, have been maybe leading some songs in their small group, and they want to, they'd like to do it in the youth ministry or do it in children's ministry, or maybe some day do it on a Sunday, and that's the vast majority of what we're doing. Um, you know, I, it, I, I have no idea what the ratio is of people that end up doing it vocationally. It's just, a, it's just a lot of just training up lay leaders to be able to serve in this way. And it's a lot of fun, I mean, for, for people. You know, boy, I can, somebody's actually willing to train me. Hey, I'll take it. Teach me. Teach me what you know. Um, and then the other thing is, um, you know, in the context that I was in, we had some paid interns, and then I treated them very differently than I did the, the you know, the lay leaders. But the, the lay leaders is the, is the bulk of it, because that's, what's, that's what happens in most churches, and that's what's needed. So, yeah. Um, how do you find, in your experience, um, you see someone's potential, they either ask you, or you, maybe you can pursue them to see if there's interest there in developing as a leader. But then you have the time issue of, Yeah. Oh yeah, I I always feel like I want to do more training than I can. 
you know, and there are lots of people on my team that I wish I spent more time with, but I need to keep a ministry running. And so that's just a constant tension. And so it's, I try to do what I can to make sure that I'm, you know, I, well, I stay on Facebook. That's, that's one thing that I do just to stay around people and stay kind of in touch with what they're, what's going on in their lives. But, um, you know, if, I, if I'm able to do, like, gather a couple people together for, like, a Saturday morning for an hour and a half, I'll try to do that with a couple people because having the time, like, they're going to come in and we're going to spend time one-on-one doing training, that's good. But if I can do it in a group and give feedback to one person, but there's other, another person or two that's also learning, that's a better investment of my time overall. And then uh, just trying to find ways to work them into actual needed opportunities, so um, I went through a season uh, where I was trying to create, like, lots of training stuff. But then I realized, like, there's a limitation and there's a, actually minimal um, excitement about doing it for the people that want to get trained because it's like, oh, it's just always practice. We're never actually, like, doing this stuff. So finding ways to, like, do it, like, in connection with the Sunday meeting or, um, you know, they're they're leading for some other ministry or playing an instrument in that particular ministry. Just show, even if you say it's a youth meeting and you're not responsible for the youth ministry, but you just show up just so you can, you know, give feedback to that leader afterwards. Any ways that you can tie it into existing ministries without creating some, some other like monster that you have to keep track of is, is the way, but I, I totally feel the tension. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and people are going to, you know, as you interact with people, um, you know, investing in people makes your days more clunky. You know, you, it's, it'd be much better if, you know, you have your plan, you, you get through all the stuff you want to do, but, I mean, you've got to be open to the knock on your door, the, the extra conversation you have after the service about, you know, a particular, hey, what did you think of this? You know, like, and so you end up talking about the, the latest band that maybe you don't know everything about, but you just find out about what they're, what they're doing and, you know, you just, you count it as a part of the investment. So there's no, there's no quick and easy answer. You know, we only have 24 hours a day. So, yeah. Okay. One last question. Otherwise we'll wrap up. (laughs) We can talk afterwards too. Um, uh, With your uh, giving assignments, Yeah. Well, here would be an example. Like, in the in the context in which I lead, I am. Uh, uh, I I tend to communicate in a particular way. I work with a worship leader who communicates in a very different way. I I tend to like edit all my words and like come up with exactly what I'm going to say and say that. And and the guy that I work with does not function that way. He's got the general idea, and then he's just you know he can go with it. But he can. It's great. So rather than saying, like, you need to write this out 100%, and I'm going to edit what you're going to say, and are you going to say that? And, like, he just, it, it just doesn't make sense. So what do I do? I communicate the goal. Okay, so you're coming out of this song, and you're going into this song, and what we're trying to do is point people to this specific thing. Are you agreed? Like, is that what we're trying to aim? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're aiming for. Okay, so you got that. Okay, now... Okay, now do you understand, like, so the parameters are, okay, we've had this conversation with the pastor about what this is working or, or not working, and you need to make sure you communicate with these certain people. And so I, I kind of, like, make sure I give, like, here's the boundaries. But how the person works toward that end, like, I just, we're all different. And so just try to give them that, that flexibility. So it doesn't always work. I mean, you just have to start doing it. And then you make stupid mistakes, and you realize that did not help that person at all. And you're just like, sorry, I was trying to make you in my mold. You know, and that's what you learn as you do it more, too. You learn, like, what is your mold, and what are, like, the actual ultimate principles that you're trying to point people to. And the more that you do that training, the more, like, you're able to sift that out a little bit more. So um, it's, it's hard to discern in yourself because you know things intuitively, but you're like, what, is that just me, or is that, like, no, everybody has to do it this way, and you just kind of 
just start doing it. Just do it. So, yeah, that's the way, you know, just do it. Um, let me pray. Father, thank you for this afternoon and uh, for this opportunity for us to gather together, and we pray that you would, uh, Lord, if there's a thing or two that has been useful in this, we pray that uh, you would allow that to, to be useful in the life of, of these congregations represented. And, uh, Lord, if there's anything that I've said that's uh, unhelpful, we pray that you would take it away um, from our minds. And, uh, Lord, we just ask that you would be magnified in our churches and that you would raise up more leaders. Lord, we need more people to lead others in congregational song. And so we pray that you would raise them up and bless each one here in their, uh, in their efforts to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.